Well, hey, Merry Christmas, and welcome back to the Transformers Nitpickers Podcast Show. I'm Paul. I'm John, and it's Christmas Day if you're listening to this live, and this is our Christmas present to you. And what is it, Paul? Today it is Transformers Dark of the Moon. Yes, this episode. What? No, movie. Although kind of an episode, because it's arguably the third episode in the Bayverse. This is a Michael Bay movie. Uh, It was written by Aaron Kruger, so there's no Alex Kurtzman anywhere. None of that stink in this movie. (laughs) Although... It's left behind. It wafts. <laughs> Lingers. <laughs> uh, we have we have a lot of the classics. Well, every, a lot of people are coming back. Uh, Shia LaBeouf is Sam Witwicky, obviously. Josh Dumel is Colonel Lennox. Yep. He's, he got promoted again. Every movie he goes up. Yeah. Yep. By, by the fifth movie, he is president. Uh, <laughs> Peter Cullen is Optimus Prime because you kind of have to. Yep. Yeah, there are rules. <laughs> Except they're always broken in so many series. Uh, Hugo Weaving's back as Megatron. Leonard Nimoy is here as Sentinel Prime. Yeah. Here's an interesting fact. I've got a couple of them that I, I learned. Uh, but this role, the role of Sentinel Prime, was originally offered to Sean Connery, and he turned it down. Oh, man, that would have been awesome. Optimus. <laughs> but then he wouldn't say the uh, needs of the many line. He would have said, yeah, uh, yeah. Was it, what was the Highlander line? Um, one, one show can only be one. That can be only one. <laughs> yes. Uh, so, oh, and we've got our bad guy. Um, spoilers. Patrick Dempsey's coming in as Dylan Gould. Um, John. Okay, the supporting cast here is kind of off the fucking hook. John Malkovich, uh, John Turturro, and Francis McDormand are like three of the big names, and they're all hamming it up. Like every one of them is just chewing scenery. Oh yeah. They, they are themselves up to 11. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Tatura, obviously, is coming back as Simmons. Uh, John Malkovich is Bruce Brazos, who's really Jeff Bezos, but different. <laughs> um, there's even hair jokes. And uh, Francis McDormand plays director mirroring of the the National Intelligence... Something. Agency? Yeah, yeah. I just called her the director a lot of the time <laughs> when I refer to her, yeah. Uh, who else do we have? Oh, oh, Alan Tudyk is here as... Dutch, uh, although so I'm excited about that because I'm a big Firefly fan, so he is actually Wash in this, and not Dutch, and he's still alive. And uh, Kevin Dunn, Julie White, they're back as Ron and Judy Witwicky. Mm-hmm. Uh, they are back. Tyrese Gibson is back as Epps. Uh, he's back during another paycheck. Um, so two times, oh, we got to say Frank Welker because he's always oh, like Shockwave and Soundwave and Barricade. You can't do a Transformers movie without Frank Welker either. Yeah, like I said, there are roles. Yeah. Two tiny roles here but that I love. Ken Jeong and Andy Daly, they were just the, the office guys, or Jerry and Donnie. They made me laugh. <laughs> I got a kick out of them. And uh, I guess that's it. There's no other major characters of note, are there, Paul? Well, there's this uh, hot girl with an accent in a Michael Bay movie. They just kind of <laughs> shoehorned in here. For... Yeah, yeah. So Rosie Huntington Wheatley, Whiteley, uh, it plays Carly Spencer. She is the new love interest, and she shoehorned <laughs> is putting it lightly well yeah because there was she's some... kind of ass horned in because the first thing we're going to see yep. of her is just her legs and ass um so here's the deal is apparently ass-horned. megan fox talked shit about michael bay compared him to a bunch of nazis and then steven spielberg who's one of the producers of the last few movies stepped in and said fire her ass and they did wow yeah uh which hey i guess it didn't matter in the end this movie grossed like 1.1 billion dollars it's in the oh top 30 God. movies of all time cost around 200 million bucks to make um oh Oh, here was one major disappointment with this movie is that there was uh, like a 
preview featurette in the Revenge of the Fallen Blu-ray that, you know, showed, oh, here's footage from the new Transformers movie. And it included a shot of Unicron. And I guess people got excited. And then the movie came out and people went, what? <laughs> no, Unicron. Spoiler alert. He's He is not here. <laughs> what there is, though, is Shockwave's worm, I guess we'll call him. Um, this I work with animators, so this blew my fucking mind. That worm that you see in sequences and the more complex sequences when a lot is exposed, it would take upwards of 120 hours to render a single frame. Holy and they were using like shit. all the processors at their uh, disposal. So that was very, very complicated. It And it looks great. We'll get into how good it looks. Uh, but Paul, I'm going to be a downer for a second. Um, there was an extra in this. There's a shot later that they shoehorned in from the island that caught my eye. Uh, because I kind of like that movie, which I shouldn't, but I actually do legitimately like it. Um, anyway, there was a in the highway chase scene we see later. There was an extra who was driving their vehicle got hit, yikes, and they were severely injured, like paralyzed on half their body. Paramount paid her hospital bills, and then yeah, I don't know, her family's suing the company. There's a whole bunch of stuff that goes on with that. I am going to get on my little soapbox here and say for a second that I know people who've been in, injured on film sets. Uh, I know some with very severe and life altering injuries for privacy reasons. I'm just going to leave it there. But what I will say is that major production studios cut costs wherever they can. They're making commercial art. They're trying to make a buck. But unfortunately, the safety of the cast and crew is usually one of the first things they cut. And that's bullshit. And I'm up on this soapbox. So I'm going to say it's garbage. If you know the uh, news with the uh, filming of the movie Rust, then you know about how bad it can get. I, I appreciate that the filming of action scenes is inherently dangerous, and it does come with a level of risk, but nobody should be paralyzed for life because of a Transformers movie. Mm, no. End rant. Now let's uh, let's go on with the fun stuff, Paul. War! War on Cybertron! <laughs> Yay! Fun! Yep. That's where we start, and we get the voiceover by Optimus Prime, and the Autobots are badly outnumbered and outmatched by the Decepticons. Now, this all looks great. Uh, what happens is we we see this war in Cybertron and the Ark. We mm. get to watch the Ark escape, and it all looks great. It's all really cool, but it is followed by, like, eight or nine minutes of America stroking its own dick. <laughs> Yeah, we see this ship escape from Cybertron with important cargo. It was their only hope, but then the Decepticons blew it up. So Prime says it was a hope that vanished. But yeah, now we're at the very large array in New Mexico in 1961, it says, <laughs> yeah, which is 12 years before they built the fucking thing. <sighs> and someone at this radar station has picked something up. And I call bullshit right here because if this is like the space carry, whatever it is, in the 60s, and nobody is smoking. <laughs> Like, do you ever see any <laughs> footage of Mission Control? They're always smoking. <laughs> uh, you know what? This whole thing, it's just what what we see over a long, drawn-out shot is that the space race was created um, as a way to get astronauts to the moon to find out what crashed there. And we see Neil Armstrong, Buzz Aldrin, and the third guy Mike uh, go to the moon, and they find the ship, and they go, we're not alone. And like I said, it takes nine minutes and here's the kicker. It's all going to be explained very concisely later on in the movie. So this whole scene is rendered unimportant. It is a great shot of Cybertron in the war at the beginning, but this whole America stroking thing, because now it doesn't matter. We're going to legs. 
And now we're reminded this is a Michael Bay movie, all right, because <laughs> yeah, we go yeah, to a yeah. woman's ass walking up the stairs and she has an accent and she tells Sam to wake up. Now, what I found interesting about this scene, Paul, was that she she doesn't just move away from the camera and left to right. She does move up and downstairs, which means she can move in three directions, which blew me away because her character is only two dimensional. <laughs> There's a long way to get there, but I, uh, I think I landed the punchline. Yep. And she gives Sam the stuffed toy rabbit she brought up the stairs. Oh, and yeah. he points out that he doesn't need the whole rabbit because only the foot is lucky. And some other stupid line. Ugh. Turns out that he has to, he's going for job interviews today. He's really nervous because he feels like he's mooching off her because she has this great job with a boss that's totally not trying to fuck her. <laughs> she even asks him if like he needs lunch money for the day. Oh my God. Yeah. Um, oh, oh, but also his parents are showing up and he needs to get a job because he, uh, he graduated from college and the government paid for it and they gave him a medal of honor. We get a cameo from an Obama impersonator and uh, which is where he met. Okay. There was one thing that made me laugh here where uh, he, they have a flashback to where he meets Carly and he gets the medal of honor and tries to act cool and does his goofy Shia LaBeouf thing. Yeah. He leans on a desk and it spills over. Smashes some laugh out of me. Drops thing, a vase. Yeah. But uh turns out that. He, yeah, he's got a school education, he's got his degree, can't get a job, and the government has kind of said, we never heard of you. Yeah, and he's worried that if he doesn't have a job by the time his parents land here on their road trip, that his dad's going to spank him. Like, okay. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're, oh, we'll get into the family unit. Uh, we do get a, a cameo we're going to see. I guess it's Wheelie and Brains. You know what I will say? As annoying as he is... At least it makes sense that this guy is called Wheelie because he's always in the wheels and not the one in G1. No disrespect to Wheelie and his cute little rhymes, but um, this is also the first of a few Star Trek references where Wheelie's watching, uh, I don't know if it's Spock's brain. I don't know what episode of uh, TOS it is, but they're watching Star Trek. Yeah, he sits on the couch and he's like, ah, shit, I've seen this one. It's the one where Spock goes nuts. Yeah, Sam gets ready. <laughs> There's a lot of just like... I don't know. It's just clunky exposition. This movie, I know I went, I've already rambled on it during the opening, but this movie has a lot of scenes that could just be cut. Oh, and yeah. they could make it a really nice, tight, I don't know, 100, 110 minute movie. Mwah, that'd be great. Um, uh, but none of that matters because guess who's outside, Paul? Well, yeah, here's Ron and Judy, and they're here 10 days early. And they see Sam come out of this. I guess it's an apartment. It's almost like a fucking warehouse, though. But he comes out and sees his parents, and then he just kind of pretends he doesn't see them for a second. Okay, so for the first 38 seconds, and yes, I timed it, uh, <laughs> I I remembered how much I like these three together. The, the Witwickies are a fun little unit when they're together. They're improv and they're riffing off each other. They're all over the top, and it was really cute for 38 seconds. And then <laughs> as soon as it got into, when are you getting a job? Uh, when are you, you know, oh, wow, you're screwing life up. And them just... Everybody treats Sam like shit when he doesn't deserve it. Anyway, 38 seconds. Yep, but anyway... Sam opens the garage door and there's some old piece of shit Dotson in there because uh, that's where's Bumblebee and he's <laughs> off doing Autobot stuff. Yeah. So Ron's like, oh, so your car has a job, but you don't. That's nice. And, like, <laughs> and then the line that Judy has where she's like, oh, no, it, it looks it reminds me of Bumblebee. If Bumblebee was a sad piece of shit, yes! that got a laugh out of me, too. I <laughs> got a solid laugh. That was um, good. 
But uh, don't worry, Paul. We don't have to deal with any of that stuff because now 14 minutes into the movie, we're going to bring in another voiceover. Yep. Back with Optimus Prime. He tells us that cities have Energon detectors and uh, they assist their allies in human conflicts now. The Autobots, not the Energon detectors. <laughs> and uh, we go to, <laughs> it's called Illegal Nuclear Site, <laughs> Middle East. Like, Middle oh my East. God. So- Somewhere in the Middle East. Um, yeah, they, the Autobots attack this illegal site. And this is just Michael Bay robot porn. Mm-hmm. Um, we see a few new Autobots. We don't get their names of yet. There's a red guy who has uh, an Hispanic accent or Latino accent for some reason. And then they attack. Oh, no, there's a quick shot of Lennox talking to some Ukrainian official who says, hey, we found alien technology at a place called Chernobyl. And you could have just said it. We found it at Chernobyl. Yeah, exactly. But uh, at least the gate to the place has Chernobyl spelled in like Ukrainian Cyrillic instead of Russian. So that was kind of a nice touch. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Okay. But uh, that's where we are now. And uh, Lennox and the boys are getting the gear on and keep an eye on your ad counters, boys. We got an hour to do this. But uh, they get farther inside this place and it really reminded me of Destiny, If you, like the first one where you're in old Russia. And they get to something giving off Energon readings, but then they get attacked by a giant Transformer sandworm thing. Oh, there's also, though, a quick shot of Laserbeak. The oh, official's yes, going to yeah. say something to Lennox and then Laserbeak's there and looks at him and says, oh, never mind, never mind. But yeah, they get attacked by this worm thing. This is the, the shockwave worm. And very, you know, there's a bunch of chaos inside, but then outside, here comes Optimus. You got the touch. You got the power. Yep, he's driving alongside the building of this thing's kind of like smashing in and out through the roof and Optimus transforms in his trailer. He's got his trailer. It turns into this giant Stargate looking thing with all the fucking guns on it. But he grabs two swords off of it and runs off to fight this thing. I, I thought it was a sword and a shield. Either way, yeah, he should have grabbed two guns, but you know, whatever. You got to make the fight look cool. It's Optimus. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, however, it was really cool to see his trailer used as a battle platform. I really yeah. liked seeing it, it be functional. Uh, but he, they get the alien tech back. Oh, we forgot to say that. There's like this piece of technology that is obviously alien. It's admitting Energon. Um, he gets it back from Shockwave. And then Shockwave has a moment where he goes, Optimus, and then he's gone. Well, Lennox asks, what the hell was that thing? And Optimus like, that was Shockwave. And then he explains the thing they found is an engine part from a long-lost Autobot ship. And now back with this Russian official, he's running for it. But just as he gets in his car, the Laserbeak, I have now it's the Transformer we saw earlier, just snipes him. Yeah, uh, very efficiently. And then we go to a montage of Sam being hired to the tune of Aerosmith's Sweet Emotion. I gotta say, the fact that they didn't spend the money to get Dark Side of the Moon in this movie is disappointing. <laughs> Sweet Emotion's a pretty good track. I'm down with this. I wonder if Roger Waters would even let them. Roger Waters would do you anything you want if you pay him enough money. <laughs> But, uh, yeah, he's doing job interviews, and he's doing quirky fucking 
Shia LaBeouf stuff and being really offensive with the Japanese man that's interviewing him, calls him sensei and all this other stupid shit. But one of them finally gets around to saying or asking, so the FBI, uh, why were they so interested in you? And he's like, oh, yeah, yeah, I was wondering when you were going to get to that. Yeah, this is where we learn that he's basically unhirable until we get to Bruce Brazos. And it turns out that Sam has a letter of recommendation from someone on the board. Yep. And he doesn't even know. I'm uh, down as John Malkovich for now. But uh, yeah, yeah. yeah, Brazos doesn't even know. I don't know how this got here, but might as well give you an interview. But in the, of the interview, he sees a woman because he's facing all his employees. And there's a woman with a red cup, but all the carpet and trim in the room is yellow. <laughs> and he's like, why is she drinking from a red cup on the yellow floor? And then an aide just runs up, grabs the cup, throws it in a box, keeps walking. And she runs out crying. It's like, <laughs> the aide even says something like, you're such a fucking idiot. <laughs> and Sam's like, I don't think I want to work here. But Brazos is like, look, kid, come on. You got to, we'll start you in the mailroom. Yeah. I know you want the job that comes after this job, but you got to start with this job. That was a really good line. You want the job that comes after this job, but you got to start with this job. Another great line here, at least I thought, was uh, the line Sam has where he says, um, when he, he tries to turn down the male job and he says, mister, I saved your life twice. I can't tell you how or when or why, but like I've done shit that matters and I want a job where I matter. That was a good line. I like that. But now back with the Autobots, they're back at Nest headquarters and we find out the red Ferrari we saw earlier. His name is Dino. And uh, the director of national intelligence arrives and she just starts raking Lennox over the coals. And she asks if his unit was involved in this mystery raid in the Middle East at that illegal nuclear site. Where in the Middle East? Somewhere. Yeah, he's like, well, maybe, you know, these Autobots are like teenagers, you know, can't keep track of them all the time. And she's like, can it with the bullshit. Yeah, <laughs> this is this is fun stuff. You, you know, guy government comes in this time. It's uh, Francis McDormand. And and like we were saying, she chews the scenery. She marches through here like a drill instructor. She oh, yeah. is, she kicks a lot of ass. She has the aide who is carrying like six different purses, one yes. for every different thing she needs to do. But what happens is that Francis McDormand, or a director meaning or mirroring? Mirroring, I have it written down. Mirroring, yeah. Is introduced to Optimus, and all the Autobots are like, he's kind of pissed off. And he, Optimus goes off on, you lied to us. Yeah, he transforms and he's like... Uh, you told us, or humans told us, that you were up front with everything you knew about Transformers, but you didn't tell us about this. And he points to the engine part. Yeah. She says, hey, look, don't worry. We are now. That was the old crew. I'm the new deal. Blah, blah, blah. That's all cool. And then Optimus explains what that is, what the arc is, and the whole war thing. And even using flashbacks of some of the same shots from like fucking 25 minutes ago, <laughs> they very concisely and neatly explain what happened at the beginning of the movie. So it would have been way more awesome if we had have just started in the ukraine not knowing what the fuck's going on yeah and then we learn as the humans learn that could have been fun but instead mike bay has to come up and go hey what if we spent like 40 million dollars to have like a two-minute war in cybertron and a whole bunch of fucking explosions yeah Yes, yeah, so it's all not as highly classified as it used to be. And then she brings in two former NASA mission directors and the actual Buzz Aldrin. Like, whoa, okay. Yeah, this is in the middle of all this exposition. And again, I'm going to beat this like drum like a fucking dead horse. Is It would have been cooler if in this learning we, we have Buzz Aldrin come out. There is a neat line, though, where he, it's something like as one explorer of the stars to another it's an honor that was kind of cool when he meets optimus and uh, the director tells optimus the entire space race was in response to the autobot ship crashing on the moon which we already know and the united states investigated the ship 
But the Soviet Union sent probes that returned this engine part, and they tried to do something with it at Chernobyl. They never come right out and say that's what caused the disaster at Chernobyl, but... Because that know, would be maybe. insanely disgraceful, and even Michael Bay knows not to go that far. Mm. Uh, but none of that matters. They're going to go to the moon, but none of that matters because now we're going to Milwaukee. <laughs> yep, back with this idiot. He drives his piece of shit dots into Carly's work where every woman wears a short skirt, and she's glad he got the job. And here's her boss who calls her Duchess because she's English. So isn't that cute? This is, th- yeah, this whole thing. There's even a shot where, and he's just slime off the bat, but there's a shot where uh, Dylan comes out and he's like, hey, look at this car. The curve, uh, Sam, the curves and the smooth, like a woman. And as he's explaining how this car reminds you of a woman, Michael Bay is slowly panning up Carly's body. Yeah. And it's like, dude, we fucking get it. You're a pervert. Yep. Just fucking show me Optimus killing somebody, please. <laughs> But yeah, he collects cars, and he's also in charge of the largest accounting firm in the U.S., apparently. So, But uh, yeah, Carly and Sam get outside, and they argue because her boss is a good-looking rich guy, and his car won't start, and he's kicking it. And then her boss comes That like, got a laugh out of me. That was another laugh. Just Shia LaBeouf's physical humor of he lands like a dozen kicks into the bumper of his car. His hands are up, and just that... Duh, 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 duh. <laughs> I fucking burst out laughing when he did that. He's a great physical actor. But, uh, yeah, uh, her boss, we found out his name is Dylan Gould, but uh, he comes over and he's like, man, that's not going to work. And uh, speaking of not working, uh, Carly told me you were having a hard time finding a job, so it was me that put that recommendation in with uh, that company that I'm on the board of. I forget the name of the company. <laughs> yeah, here's a little bit of salt in your fucking wound. Yep. <laughs> so, um, then we go to the moon, and uh, Optimus and Ratchet are there uh, They with a bunch of little drones. I don't know why. They're not keeping up. No, they land at the Tranquility Base where the 42-year-old, 42-year-old Lem still has the ascent stage attached to it. Like, <laughs> guy, uh, anyway. <laughs> That's because the, the 3D model that they bought to render in this movie just happened to include that. Nobody gave a shit. Yeah. Ratchet and Prime cut their way inside the arc and Prime activates a switch and the floor opens and I'm guessing this is Sentinel Prime and Ratchet's like, well, he's alive, but his levels are faint. And he has pillars. We have to take the pillars, the bunch of these cylinders. Uh, then we go to Megatron and after a very cool conversion scene, he's a beat up old truck in the desert. He roars at elephants and zebras, I guess. <laughs> yeah. And the animals just run for it, but it looks more like the elephants are like, yeah, it's great. We don't care. And just walk away. <laughs> It's clearly stock footage where they just, like, had the rendered shot of Megatron, cut to stock footage of elephants and zebras, yeah. giraffe or two, and then Decepticons. Try and get the lighting about the same. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, Megatron's got some kind of camp set up, and he has baby Decepticons here. I think we saw something like that in the last one, didn't we? I kind of wrote that movie off. But... Yeah, they were growing, incubating new Decepticons. And now Starstream is here, and then Laserbeak flies in, and blasts a vulture whatever kind of bird that was and here's Soundwave with dr claw's voice but yeah, well, it's yeah, close it's enough, yeah it just doesn't have that effect on it exactly uh yeah laserbeak basically reports uh here the autobots are gonna oh laserbeak speaks in this worth yep. noting laserbeak has the voice but reports yeah the autobots went to the moon and uh megatron says great go kill all those people we talked about and now this is Good writing where we don't know exactly who Laserbeak is going to kill or why, but there's a kill list and some of it's kind of scary when it's played out on screen. Yeah, like it never like one of them. I know he transforms into kind of like a pink kind of small robot and kind of gets in with this little kid. And then her dad comes in like, hey, sweetie, what are you doing? And bang, shoots like 
fucking dark. Yeah. It almost looked like he had turned into like a toy, you know, like those little kids' cars that they, you know, oh, yeah, yeah. pedal the wheels and whatever, the power wheels and shit. It looked like one of those of Bumblebee, but pink. But yeah, there was some good stuff. Starts killing a lot of people. And then we go to Sam on his first day on the job. And Carly arrives in a ridiculously expensive car. Mm-hmm. She came to visit him. And uh, a guy that either is Jack Black or looks a lot like him says, visitor violation. <laughs> and but he's like, first he asks her like how did you get here you don't have a car and she's like yes i do my boss gave me one and it's a mercedes whatever the fuck the model was and it's xj2 like, pm5 turbo class <laughs> yeah. and it costs two hundred thousand dollars and he's like well we should sell it then and buy a house now this is the only <laughs> this is the only subtle acting that she gave where she kind of like looks to the side she's tensing her shit to her uh, jaw a little she her physical acting shows that she knows this is wrong she knows it's not just normal for your boss to give you a two hundred thousand dollar car yet as soon as sam gets mad she responds with look i get it i know the struggle is hard but you're gonna get a good job and you're gonna pay your dues no He's pissed off that your boss is obviously trying to fuck you. <laughs> and you're clueless about it. She is she is so dumb and flat as a character. <laughs> I I started to I don't want to say hate, but I just really started to absolutely dislike every time she was on screen. <laughs> But uh, since she's here, she gives Sam a red cup of red licorice. That's what we call the type of candy in Canada. And but they're on the yellow floor, and uh, every, and then everyone stares at her ass when she leaves. <laughs> yeah, John Malkovich even like cranes his head to get a better view. Yeah, it's oh boy, this was okay. Now here was the the spot where Andy Daly shows up and Ken Jong, who you've seen him in like the Hangover movies and Community, but uh, Ken Jong is spying on Sam very poorly, like he's out in the open. And uh, Andy Daly just doesn't get it. He's like, hey, what's going up there, Jerry? How you doing? And he's like, fuck off. Get away from me. I don't appreciate that, Jerry. Yeah. It's just they and them together, they were pretty good. But yeah, he tells Sam, like, look, I know who you were involved with before and just grabs his jacket and like rips Sam's jacket off him. And Sam chases him to the men's room. But the guy throws him in his stall and tells him his name is Wang. Deep Wang. Get it? Deep Wang. As in deep throat. As in Watergate. <laughs> yeah, he starts rambling. Like madman rambling about the dark side of the moon and this and the missions and that. And then takes <laughs> from his crotch, he takes out this rolled up piece of paper and like wafts it under Sam's nose. <laughs> and he's yes. like, this is my manifesto. Read it's it, this is like cringy michael bay homophobic humor yeah but ken jong is also a really good physical actor and the two of them together in a bathroom stall it's pretty fucking funny but and then they both come out of the stall just as the boss walks in but then i was deep wang just gets in his face like what's your problem bro <laughs> <laughs> ken jong's great um so uh sam reads the stuff it makes a lot of sense he goes back to ken jong but ken jong is now he's like no 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 don't talk to me and we find out later that Laserbeak is well currently disguised as his computer monitor um but is going to try to kill him because he's on the list yeah and uh, Laserbeak knows jerry was talking to sam and like what did you tell him and jerry 
pulls out two handguns on Laserbeak, but Laserbeak... They're not just handguns. I think he pulls out two, like, desert eagles. Oh, wow. I, they may be the largest, like... <laughs> they're those, big. They're massive fucking guns. But, uh, yeah, Laserbeak disarms him, grabs him, flies him through the window, and lets him go. And this was the beautiful wrap-up to the with Jerry Dennis, the Andy Daly, Ken Jong story. <laughs> Andy's in a meeting talking to John Malkovich, complaining about something, and Ken Jong just goes, Hey! Right by the window. Yes. <laughs> Holy shit! He looks at like, that's Jerry! And Sam's boss is like, uh, yeah, you know, someone died, but looking out the window wasn't going to help. Everybody get back to work. It's like, what? And then in front of the boss and everybody, Laserbeak, which was now disguised as a printer, Laserbeak may change alternate modes more than any other Transformer uh, because they're now a printer. And Laserbeak turns into their uh, robot mode and opens fire on Sam, who books it and escapes, grabs Carly, and they have to go to Nest. Mm-hmm. And at Nest headquarters, uh, Sam tells the guards that we need to get to Lennox, or we need to get Lennox on the phone. The Decepticons are back, and the guards are like, sir, this is health and human services, because that's like the, the front they have on the building. And yeah. they start arguing, and Sam, he's coming in anyway, but then his car gets trapped in something like a barricade comes up and then hydraulics lifted up in the back and sam just has a fucking meltdown right here he yeah he is just wow just screaming 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 as people yank him out of a car he tackles a guard they slam him to the ground but he gets to a cb one of the guards radios and just starts calling for bumblebee who shows up yeah bumblebee comes zooming in and transforms and I guess that's all they need to see. And they take him to Lennox and uh, Sam's still being a fucking smart ass about everything. And uh, meanwhile, the government has the pillars the Autobots brought back from the moon and they're locking them up good and tight for now. Yeah. Uh, Optimus then in front of everybody, because Sam's here now and Carly's in and she has her obligatory moment of like, holy shit, this is crazy. Realizing that Sam, she knew he worked with the Autobots, but this is the moment where it hits her. Oh, wow. Shit's real. Yeah. Like. It's actually happening, right? Yeah. And what's happening is that Optimus puts the Matrix of Leadership into, I think he puts it in Sentinel Prime and restarts him. Well, he just touches him with it and it wakes him up and then immediately he tackles Optimus. Yeah, he goes nuts and Optimus holds him off and all the other Autobots say, okay, calm down, calm down, nobody shoot. And eventually he, he comes to and realizes... You know, he's told the war's over, we lost, kind of here now, and uh, we got five pillars. Yeah, because, he, well, he asks what happened to my ship and the pillars, and, well, the, it, the ship's still on the moon, and we only got five of them. But one of them is the control pillar, which I guess is the, the most important one. There, there's a, a, a pretty good back and forth that Sentinel Prime has with Mirroring, where she's, you know, she says, hey, you can't just start bringing weapons into Earth. This... Let's be fair. This is the human character that so many episodes of G1 and GoBots needed. That human saying, hey, stop having your war on our planet. Well, yeah, because Sentinel explains that, you know, the pillars form a space bridge and uh, defies what you humans know about physics, even though she's the first human he's ever met. And so he just knows (laughs) that, I guess. But, uh, yeah, she thinks that kind of technology he would use it to transport more troops and weapons to Earth. And he's like, that's what the Decepticons would do with it if they found out. So you better not let that happen. We then go to Mearing's office. She's obviously like, okay, I'm not fucking around then. Um, We go to Mearing's office where she's explaining to Sam why it doesn't make sense that he joined the Nest team again. And she's 100% correct. (laughs) But uh, Sam wants to know why the Decepticons are killing humans. So he thinks it's time to get a hold of the expert. And that expert is Agent Simmons, and he's being interviewed by the real Bill O'Reilly. Okay, 
We'll do it live. Okay. We'll do it live! Fuck it! He's being crazy Agent Simmons, you know, yelling, aliens are real and they're coming to get us. Because I guess, like, the government disavowed this and nobody believes the Transformers exist anymore, which is kind of where you want your stories to be with Transformers, robots in disguise. But it doesn't make sense when you think of the last two movies. Uh, no, not the amount of, like, cities that get destroyed and all that yeah. shit. But, uh, but uh, Bill O'Reilly does point out that a lot of people think Earth would be safer if the Autobots just left. Because, you know, Decepticons would probably go with them. Uh, and this is when Simmons is like, fuck you, Alan Tudia comes in, who's like his manservant, I guess. His name's yes. Dutch. And he's like, he has a really, really, really bad German accent. And he's like, everybody gets out. And kicks everybody out. You have offended Mr. Simmons. <laughs> <laughs> and this is when Sam calls. I have called the police. <laughs> <laughs> this is when Sam calls about the moon landing. And they get on a secure line. And it does not take much to convince Simmons to just show up at Sam's. Mm -hmm. Tell Megatron, let's tango. (laughs) And uh, yeah, meanwhile, Sentinel Optimus, they're out for a drive and Prime tries to give him the Matrix back, but Sentinel says he is no longer the teacher. You are. Yeah, I hands it back to I don't him. know why, knowing how this movie ends, that doesn't make sense. He he had a really clear opportunity there. He didn't take it. Uh, but now Brazos, Brazos, whatever, shows up at Sam's place. Uh, and I guess since he saw Laser Beacon, he's, I'm, I'm assuming, obsessed with Transformers. He has agreed to give Sam some information on uh, Deep Wang and other people in the company who've died as long as he gets to play puppy dog, I'm assuming, with Bumblebee. Well, yeah, Sam lets him in and he sees Bumblebee and, he, and this is where we get the first uh, thing but uh, actually the only f-bomb in the movie he's like fucking awesome <laughs> yeah, and, and he's got like a you know like he's like fucking awesome like he's from fucking boston but yeah he takes a pet like nothing else <laughs> that's a great cat right there <laughs> he starts trying to get bumblebee to box with him and <laughs> simmons thinks all these assassinations are because the decepticons are trying to keep something hidden on the moon not that they're trying to find something uh, but then he has enough with sam's boss and his fucking hijinks and Tell him to leave. <laughs> <laughs> and that's the end of John Malkovich. It's, you know, fun little role. Uh, and he gets to say he was in the Transformers movie. But uh, what they all figure out, because Brain starts doing some uh, hackumulating on the computers, and he finds out that there are two cosmonauts who were supposed to go up to the, uh, the moon for Russia, and their mission got scrapped in the 70s, I think, and they had to go in hiding, and they're somewhere in America, and here's where they are. But then Carly gets home, and what the hell is that Autobot doing in the living room? And Bumblebee, it, it's just like the Bumblebee movie. Just it's wacky hijinks. He tries to hide or something. He smashes the chandelier and trips over this, and she storms off upstairs. <laughs> there was a bit where John Turturro, he's like Dutch Frisker, gladly, yes. um, because it's there's got to be the you know the hot girl joke. But she's uh, okay. I'm not. You know what? she's just dumb. Everything she says here is dumb. It's a waste of time. Uh, but Sam has to go up and do apologize to her and say, Hey, I can't come to your boss's dinner party tonight. Cause we're doing, you know, research to sh- save the world. And then she says, fuck you and leaves. Yeah, She gets in her car with the stuffed rabbit from before, but uh, before she leaves, she rips off his foot to give to him. Cause apparently that's, all he wants. <laughs> oh, oh, actually, no. We have the very, very important revelation, Paul, that her brother was in the military and he died. And that's why she doesn't want Sam helping out the Autobots. That this super forced line that 
Motherfucker. Yeah, do you think Jeez. we'd rather have his medals or we'd rather have him? Yeah, he, like, here's the thing. If Megan Fox could have been in it, the whole thing about working for a dude about car with cars makes complete sense. Yeah. The whole thing about her almost having lost Sam a couple times and not wanting to do it again totally makes sense. Like, yeah. everything in this story makes complete sense for Michaela's character, doesn't at all for Carly. Well, why would she ever fall for Sam in the first place? <laughs> well, because anyway. Michael Bay paid her a bunch of money to be in the fucking movie. Well, either way, Simmons asks Sam, like, how can she afford that car? And uh, Sam says, oh, her boss gave it to her. And Simmons is like, rich bastards. <laughs> <laughs> although he's like, although now that I am one, my, my feelings have changed. Uh, yeah. Okay. So now Simmons and Sam, they go and they track down these cosmonauts. Uh, they, you know, they get into some club, but they're with a bunch of Autobots. So are they with Nest or are they not? Like, I thought they were just with Bumblebee, but they yeah. show up with the red guy who's got the blades. And I don't know who's working with who for the rest of the movie. Because Mearing even pointed out back when they were in her office, nobody works with the Autobots without my yes, say. Yes, exactly. And she did not give him her say. So, yeah, but here they are. So maybe they're just, you know, going behind her back, too. Yeah, they, they never acknowledge it or address it. But, uh, he, you know what? They find the cosmonauts. They're going to find out a bunch of pictures and, and some stuff. But this scene is the best Dutch moment, the best Alan Tudyk moment, where he, they in the this uh, club, there's a big um, Mexican standoff, and Dutch, like, he goes full John Wick. Grabs oh, yeah. somebody's uh, <laughs> grabs a woman's shotgun, bangs her head on the on the bar, grabs another pistol. He's got like shotgun out in different directions, pistol out in the other way, and just yeah. everybody it, oh it's great. It's great. <laughs> but uh, yeah, Simmons tells every, everyone, calm the fuck down and but uh, the cosmic Holt, Holt, Dutch, Holt I think he even says something in German, like, Entschuldigen Sie bitte, like, excuse me, or whatever he says. But, but anyway, so these cosmonauts, they they have a bunch of pictures, and what we find out is that a couple, they sent satellites up shortly after the crash, and a couple years after the crash, all of these cylinders started getting dragged away. They thought they were stones, but Sam looks at the pictures and realizes, no, those are pillars. Those are hundreds of space bridge pillars. Yep, and he puts it all together. Well, he doesn't put the thing together anyway he puts it all together he gets direct mirroring on the phone and he tells her the decepticons wanted optimus to find sentinel because sentinel is the only one that can control the space bridge and optimus was the only one who could revive sentinel yeah and and this is this was good like okay we're building the case we're finding out what's going on i know i'm like i said i'm beating that dead horse of the the first eight nine minutes but Right now, the pacing is pretty good for as long as this movie is. Anyway, uh, the on the way to Nest uh, with Sam and Bumblebee and Simmons and Dutch and I wanted to say Stretch from Cobots <laughs> to like a white limo, um, they get attacked by a bunch of, I guess, three Decepticons. Yeah, the disguised as police SUVs that come up behind them and one of them transforms and just yoinks Simmons out of his car and the other two transform and start chasing the Autobots on foot because I guess they can run faster than they can drive. No, because it looks cooler. Yeah. Uh, this was the scene. It does uh, look pretty cool. It's, it's, <laughs> there's actually, so the shot is at, uh, I'm going to mention exactly when it is, 107, 20 seconds is a shot of, I think it's one of the Decepticons slams into a, an SUV and bounces off. That is from the island. Like I said, isn't a bad movie. It's fun. Um, but they shoehorned that shot in because the actual shot they filmed was of this extra getting very, very injured. Um, but for the rest of the scene, Sam yells. The Autobots chase Decepticons. Sam flies in the air and yells. And then <laughs> yep. there's explosions. Uh, there's one cool scene where Dino transforms. He grabs one of them with a grappling hook. Like, 
and Bumblebee just blasts them apart. But uh, they get closer to Nest and Ironhide comes barreling out and slams straight into both of these Decepticons and they go flying and transform. Yeah, and then there's another Mexican standoff. It's Ironhide Sideswipe, right? That's who that, the other... Yep. Yeah, Sideswipe. And the these silver two, guy, yeah. Yeah, these two Decepticons who are just decepticons well one of them looks a bit like predator i thought okay but, but uh yeah one of them throws some kind of spike thing at ironhide but sideswipe kicks one of their guns over to ironhide and he ironhide just kicks the living shit out of them class dismissed <laughs> oh yeah yeah literally blows their heads off one of them puts that like big spike into his head drops him on a car and then just boots the car into i, I don't know a gasoline and dynamite shop because it explodes <laughs> But yeah, they get to Nest and Lennox tells Ironhide to get Sentinel inside and Sentinel transforms and tells the Autobots that we were never going to win the war for Cybertron, so a deal had to be made with Megatron. And then he fucking kills Ironhide. Shoots him right in the back of the head. Like, that is not how you kill off Ironhide, for fuck's sakes, people. That's how G1 That's how he died in the first... Yeah! yeah. <laughs> Ironhide dies with his fucking boots on, man. You don't... Ugh, anyway. But it's... This is... This really does signify the beginning of a lot of big-name characters dying in this mm -hmm. movie in the second half. Um, but Sentinel fucking tears the place up. He just rips through Nest yelling, Where are my pillars? And, well, I guess he finds them because now, next thing you know, he's driving off with them. And Optimus gets home. I guess he was just out getting groceries or something because he wasn't here. So where the fuck was he? But, yeah, he transforms and Director Mearing's like, this is all on you. No, you were right, Paul. He was out getting groceries. He, he goes he goes to the organic market down the street <laughs> with, for their eggs. Uh, but, oh, here we fucking go. The Witwickies are into the sauce again, and uh, Sam is worried Carly might have left him. And Okay, <laughs> this whole scene can be wrapped up here. Sam runs into his parents' uh, camper, and he's like, hey, have you seen Carly? I'm trying to find her. They have a long conversation that includes his mom asking how big his dick is. Yep. And then <laughs> it finishes with her saying, Sam, is she the one? And he says, yes. And she says, then you gotta go find her. That's what he was fucking doing! <laughs> Yep, and back with stuff we actually care about. Sentinel gets to the Lincoln Memorial with his pillars and Megatron and Starscream are here too. And Megatron tells Starscream the plan was for them to meet up on Earth, he, he and Sentinel. But uh, bad shit happened to both of them, so they had to wait for Prime to get here with the Matrix to get the ball rolling again. Yeah, which when you're trying to retcon through two movies, that's not, I mean, it kind of almost maybe <laughs> sort of kind of makes sense. But then he blasts Lincoln's statue out of the throne. Didn't he do that in G1? I think he just picked Lincoln up and threw him away and then sat he in He did. It. Yeah, I kind of remember and I'm, I'm also going to bet money. I don't know. Dear listener, correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm going to bet that on that statue, Lincoln and the seat are one piece of stone. <laughs> or at least connected with like rebar or something. And you know, yeah, yeah. You probably just can't pick him up and move him to dust the thing off. But Optimus arrives and uh, tells Sentinel to stop, but Sentinel activates the space bridge and it opens on the moon and a bunch of Decepticons start to wake up and come through it to Earth. Yeah, apparently there were Decepticons hiding under, like, just in the moon dust under the surface of the moon. All right. Like, and not just Decepticons, command ships. Yeah, it's like a whole fleet of them. Uh, but they start coming to Earth through, I guess it would be a space bridge from the moon to the Earth, and they're attacking everything. Optimus starts to order a retreat and then attacks Sentinel. Mm -hmm. But Sentinel slams him into a monument and he tells Optimus they could have rebuilt Cybertron if they had just joined the Decepticons. And Optimus is like, man, this is our home now. And Sentinel says, on Cybertron, we were gods. Here they call us machines. So join me and the humans serve us or I kill you now. And then he leaves and doesn't kill Optimus and says, I should have killed 
killed you. <laughs> they, they should have had a fight to the death a few times in this movie where they didn't. Yeah. Uh, but then we go to Sam, who goes to Dylan's party. Oh, oh, uh, actually, before we do that, what we do see is all the Decepticons who land, or a lot of them, convert to emergency vehicles or anything and just go into hiding. They disappear. Um, but we go to Sam. He arrives at Dylan's party. Kind of tells him off a bit. I was a little proud of him and grabs Carly and starts to leave. I called this uh, wherever this is in Washington, D.C. that isn't in full lockdown because giant alien robots destroyed half of the National Mall. (laughs) But her boss gets up and tells Sam, you know, his dad's firm used to handle the books for NASA. And when there's a war that doesn't involve you, you side with the side that's going to win. So so he's really kind of laying it on thick here. (laughs) Sam realizes he's like, let's get the fuck out of here. And then this was kind of dumb. They get in Carly's car, which, of course, turns out to be Soundwave. But, dude, you know he's working with the Decepticons now. Why would you get in the car? Yeah. He gave gave your girlfriend. But, yeah, Soundwave grabs Carly and transforms back with her inside and Laserbeak flies out and smacks Sam one and then her boss comes out and explains the whole thing Soundwave had his father's firm cook the books at NASA back in the 70s to make it seem like the moon landings were too expensive so NASA stopped doing them yeah and this so this is we know the whole story now where Deep Wang he was involved in some of the projections to make it look like or turn satellites certain angles so they would never see the ship and these are the people who uh, Laserbeak had been going through to kill to get up to Dylan who is working with the them to hide the ship and the mystery is solved now and uh that means dylan is going to make sam work for the decepticons because that's what you do at this point in the story and he puts on a decepta watch yep this thing wraps around sam's wrist and uh it will let them see what he sees and all that kind of shit and if he does anything funny then zap yeah they want optimus is what they want um and then we have a scene where sentinel just addresses earth he's on the i don't know earth loudspeaker system and he explains (laughs) here's the deal earth Uh, we're going to start using the resources from your planet to rebuild our planet and when we're done we'll leave you alone but if you get in the way we'll fucking kill you yep and uh, before that humanity has to hand over the Autobot rebels I exiled them from the planet and uh, then Sam goes to mirroring because he can just get into Ness now and oh boy this was a scene where I get we're doing it for yucks, but Sam is being so weird and in such pain with this watch that it doesn't make sense that it would hurt him this much. It's like the watch wants to be discovered. Yeah. Uh, but he, he tries to work out of mirroring what the plan is, and she won't tell him much. And uh, by the way, it's official. Congress has passed legislation. The alliance with the Autobots is over, and Sam can't believe this, but the director's like, we have no choice. And uh, if the Decepticons brought that many troops in, they can always bring more. We get to do what they want. Yeah, which, uh, I don't know. This is, this is whatever. That's kind of dumb. Uh, what's even weirder, though, is that she's, uh, Sam's like, how are they going to get off? She says, they have a spaceship. We never told you about it, except you fucking did when we saw Optimus and Ratchet go to the moon. Yeah. <laughs> how do you think they got there? And uh, lo and behold, they have it. Well, it's more like the space shuttle is strapped to it because it's twice the size of the space shuttle and it's on a launch pad at Cape Canaveral. And there are two loud Autobots with uh, Cockney accents, maybe, whatever it is. And uh, she calls them the Wreckers and we don't let them off the base because they're assholes. Yeah. And again, so many accents. Like, why do Autobots have accents? It does not make sense. Oh, well, uh, do you know what does make sense, though? Or maybe it doesn't, but we run into Epps. Hey, it's Epps. Yeah, he works here. It's like, hey, fucking hell. It's like, 
the whole time I was thinking, why isn't he with Lennox? But he retired from the Air Force and now he works as a consultant. Yeah, he says it's his dream job. He doesn't have to kill people. He's not in danger. He really enjoys it. Um, and as they're talking, uh, Simmons arrives in a wheelchair from his accident on the freeway, getting tossed out of the car. And it turns out that he and Meering have some history. <laughs> yep. And, uh, Simmons tells her exiling nine Autobots isn't going to do shit, lady. And she tells him, look, it's out of my hands. And the Autobots just make their way to the ship. And Optimus tells Sam, oh, it's all my fault. And Sam's watch starts zapping him, I guess. Yeah, again, like it wants to be caught. But he's saying, Optimus, you got to have a plan. I know you're going to do something. You're not really giving up. Please just tell me you can trust me. Even though he can't. Uh, And Optimus says, sorry, Sam, we're leaving. And then he walks away to give Bumblebee and Sam some time. He's like, make it short. Yes. Shut the fuck up. (laughs) <laughs> which Bumblebee does. It's it's pretty quick. And yeah. Agent Simmons comes up and tells Sam, look, a year from now when they ask what they did when the Decepticons conquered Earth, that they'll just say that they stood there and watched. Eh, poetic, I so guess, kind of. Uh, but yeah, the ship launches and Starscream blows it up. Like, duh, you didn't see that coming? <laughs> yes. And Gould's like, well, we all work for the Decepticons now. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, I, if on a personal note, I just have to say, I can't stand it when movies do that, where they kill the hero at a point where you obviously know it's like Man of Steel did. I think it was Man of Steel or maybe it was Batman v Superman did it. Uh, they're doing it here in the Transformers. Like, we know they're not dead. No, not not this early. Yeah. But uh, now we go to Chicago, Chicago, Illinois, and uh, at least that's where Gould and Carly are. And Megatron is driving down the street and back at the launch site back in Florida, I guess, Sam has Simmons and his but I called him his butler, Dutch, traced the call that he just got from Gould because Gould called him from, you know, his helicopter. And somehow Dutch hacks into the phone's camera. Oh, yeah. Dutch right. is just like computer guy. Dutch can hack into anything. Yep. And it turns if it, out. If it plugs into a wall, somehow Dutch <laughs> can hack it. Watch out for your blender. Dutch could turn it on. And uh, it turns out this camera is at Trump Tower in Chicago, and Sam is going there. And at Trump Tower, Dylan exposits to Carly the entire Decepticon plan, including how to stop it. (laughs) Yes, because uh, they need the, the resources they need to rebuild Cybertron are them. And she's like, well, they can't transport humans, whether physically you can't do it or Oh, they just can't do that. But he's like, they won't have to. They're bringing Cybertron here. And this is where we're going to have to start to ignore, you know, planetary physics. Oh, yeah. But, oh, boy. Um, because in if this really happened, as soon as Cyber... Well, we'll get to that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but then, now, this was, for all of you Roland Emmerich fans out there who just enjoy a good end-of-the-world uh, scene, this is a pretty decent one. The Decepticons openly attack Chicago and lay it to fucking waste oh yeah they just flatten it they destroy everything and carly asks school if they you know did they tell you about this part and he says i didn't get invited to all the meetings but uh they told me that i would be safe so you're safe as long as you're with me but, but he even like to himself he goes I'm, I'm, I, they told me i'd be safe they told me i'd be safe they told me i'm safe and i, I like seeing <laughs> the fear um so eps and sam round up the old nest team which includes i don't remember the character's name but the actor was the guy who played terry tate do you remember terry tate office linebacker from like uh, 2000 and i don't know one or two it, it was a bunch of commercials i can't even remember what the commercials were for but that actor the guy with oh, the big yes, fucking yes, heavy yes. gun he, he yeah he played an office linebacker who would like tackle people in the hallway and be like you know you're supposed to use a red envelope for your t45s and it was just <laughs> awesome dear listener 
Pause right now. Go to YouTube. Look up Terry Tate, office linebacker. We'll see you in three minutes. Welcome back. Yeah, and now we're at the Pentagon and wherever this is. And General Morshauer, so he's back. Yeah. Uh, he tells the room they've lost a squadron of bombers trying to get into Chicago, and we can't get anything in there to get Lennox some info. Yeah, they, they talk about trying to mini-drone, um, and then we go to the edge of that war zone, and the Nest team arrives, or Epps and Sam, not Nest, but Epps and Sam and all their, their gang, and right away they're all like, nope, not doing it. Yep. Operation Lost Cause, man. She's probably dead anyway. It's over, Sam. Sorry. And then a Decepticon attacks. It starts blasting everybody, but something shoots it down, and it turns out it was a Decepticon vehicle because a Decepticon starts to get out of it, and it turns out what shot it down is Optimus Prime. And then he says, kill them all. Mm-hmm. The wreckers come Literally, in. Literally, that's what he says. Yeah. It's just like, they will kill them all. And the wreckers drive in. They transform and rip the Decepticon pilot apart one limb at a time. Like, yeah. it is fucking brutal. It, 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 this, I'll, I'll be honest, Paul. At this point, I was like, okay, I'm, I'm kind of zoned out a bit here. Like, this is feels weird. It's, it's kind of... Because when they rip that uh, Decepticon apart, like all the other Decepticons, they have goo and red liquid inside them. So there's blood splattering everywhere oh yeah and i kind of zoned out a bit but when i came back in uh bumblebee and sam get in that decepticon ship and they fly off to go save carly and i guess everybody else is following mm-hmm. and back in the city sentinel tells megatron who still he i didn't mention it before but he has a scarf very tasteful uh, he still has a scarf and it won't be <laughs> it looks long. like a babushka <laughs> Uh, it won't be long now before the rest of the pillars are in place and Megatron tells him that uh, this is the victory I promised if you work for me and then Sentinel grabs him by the face like where he get shot in the last one and rips more of it off and says I have worked with you for the goal of repairing Cybertron I will never work for you but what's really important is that Carly just happened to look through a telescope that just happened to be focused on those two and she can just happen to read lips Mm -hmm. and uh, I guess she detects there's a bit of a schism Uh, anyway let's go back to Sam Um, he shows up in Dylan's house with a gun um, and the, he he points his gun at Dylan for a bit and Dylan's like, dude you're, I, I think he says something like, you're either really brave or really stupid. And of course, Laserbeak is the fucking TV. Before that, though, I have it down that uh, he sneaks past Maid who continues to serve drinks while the entire city is on fire and her entire <laughs> family is likely dead. Yeah, they're just sta- <laughs> they, In one shot, they have a maid who's out on the balcony holding champagne glasses as yeah. Chicago is blown up behind her and like I, all the oh fucking dishes are neat and tidy on the <laughs> rack behind her like anyway yeah but uh yeah laser beak transforms grabs sam and throws him off the balcony that's his his new trick i guess <laughs> yeah and then a la back to the future too sam that's comes rising <laughs> up yeah on the decepticon ship and they there's madness ensues carly gets in the ship with bumblebee uh and sam ends on top of it and laser as they start going down because the ship starts to crash um laser beak attacks sam yeah they start wrestling on top of this thing but i guess bumblebee blasts laser beak but damages the thing enough maybe that's what made this thing go down either way it crashes but now gould runs across the street and yells up to megatron that the autobots are still alive and megatron's like we must defend the pillars yeah uh it's also worth knowing noting this is the beginning like when that ship crashes is the beginning of sam is invincible pretty much 
He definitely hit IDDQD right here. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, so then the Autobots arrive, um, and Epps contacts the mill. Oh, oh, we forgot to mention the mini drone. They do get a mini drone in that gets shot down. And when the Autobots and Epps and gang arrive, Epps recognizes this drone as one of ours, and he's able to contact Nest through the drone. Yeah, he's like, if you can hear me or see me, just do something. Just move something. Make something move so I know that you know that we're here kind of thing. And Lennox is, you know, seeing this and he's like, that's Epps. Get, they get a fix in the location. His boys are going to move in while the army causes a distraction elsewhere. Yeah, we have a bunch of scenes. It's that Michael Bay moment of the third act where that bah, 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 music kicks in and, and it's a bunch of speeches and, hey, we might not come home. And of course, one Marine stands up and says, I'll find my own ride home, sir. And he's the young kid. It's <laughs> yeah. a bunch of inspirational schmaltz. But what, what they're getting to is that everybody is starting to converge on one point. We know where the pillars are. Let's, you know, attack. Mm -hmm. The Autobots are zooming down the road, but then Shockwave is back, and Oh, well, I guess it's the worm thing. I thought that was part of Shockwave so until I. after I finished the movie. But uh, that thing separates Prime from his trailer, which Prime apparently needs something out of. And he sends the Wreckers off and Epps and his boys have a plan. But before they go, Wheeljack, we forgot to mention he's here now. Yeah. He's, he turns into that blue uh, Mercedes, whatever kind of car it was at the first. But uh, he gives them some human-sized weapons and gadgets and, like, this does this and hit the button on that to blow this up and you know, all that kind of stuff. And I do have to say, though, like, Wheeljack, for whatever reason, he's called Q. <laughs> like, they, they call him Q. That's his name. He's totally Wheeljack, but they call him Q. He, he comes off like an old, hey, crazy inventor type. Um, I'm guessing that he was written in when the part was being uh, negotiated with Connery and they were like, let's put Q in, like, in the James oh, Bond movies. okay, yeah, that My would be. My guess. But, he, yeah, he's 100% Wheeljack. Um, yeah, he gives the, the grapple hook as the important thing. Um, and now it is fight, 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 action, action, action. Oh, yeah. The Wreckers move in and blast. Well, I guess it's this worm thing. It doesn't really seem to do much. And yeah, Sam and Epps get to the building they were headed to. And now they're like the I called them G.I. Joe vehicles in one of the other movies. The, the things that the Air Force are flying in. They're moving in, but uh, some of them start getting shot down by the Decepticons, and then Starscream starts attacking them. Yeah, and while this is going on, and there's some great shots, Michael Bay, we've said it before, he shoots military stuff like porn. It looks fucking great. And yeah. there is a, sh a scene where these, you think they're skydivers at first, but they're wearing, are they, what are they called, flight suits, squirrel suits? Well, I think he said we have to wingsuit in, and I'm wing thinking, suits. is that an actual thing? Because it looks like some Wiley Coyote shit. But oh, no, it, those it, are real things there, oh, wow. there are amazing videos of people with like a, a camera or what are they a gopro on their head who like do wingsuit uh flights down the sides of mountains go youtube Holy some of that shit it's amazing shit. uh but yeah all these all these nest operatives jump out of the plane as the other planes beside them are like falling blowing up and it's absolute chaos and they all whip their wingsuits out and they start zipping down into the city and for what it's worth all of the the action you see or the the shots you see yeah. like mid-flight catching up to other wingsuit flyers if you call them is from GoPro shit. They Michael Bay just strapped oh, cameras on the heads of these stunt fuck. people and said, film the other guys. Wow. But yeah, they're coming in fast and the Decepticons start chasing them and they manage to shake one of them by flying through a damaged building. Like they go through one side, but zip right up the other one. The Decepticon's too big to fit through. Kaboom, he's fucking destroyed. And then they pull the parachutes. I'm thinking, how the fuck are they going to land these things without killing themselves? But yeah. 
They do have parachutes. <laughs> and, and while that's happening, Epps and crew get into uh, what they needed to do because they, they see the pillars. They just needed to get to a certain height so they can target the pillars because they have, of course, one missile left. <laughs> yep. And, uh, Sam tells the guy with the rocket launcher, uh, look, look, man, if you don't blast that thing, we're going to die anyway. And he says, man, I don't care if this building collapses. I'm having a heart attack anyway. <laughs> that was <laughs> yeah, a that, good That's lie. Terry Tate. Um, but then the building starts to collapse more because all those little Decepticon ships, uh, they start blasting. Basically, they just take it down. They're taking out a floor and the building start, the top half of it starts to tip over. Yeah, it starts to fall, but then it just stops, I guess. And then the Decepticons... Some structural integrity. Yeah, the Decepticons are looking inside and they're all high. Well, all the people inside are hiding behind like pillars and desks and shit but there's one guy whose head would be clearly visible but man it doesn't matter oh this is i don't know why they put that in this is weak you didn't need it it's that dear listener i don't know why you would be listening to this episode if you haven't watched the movie but if you haven't watched the movie it's that thing where the person is hiding behind the column and the monster is looking for them and all the monster has to do is move two more inches and they will <laughs> see this person and they don't. And and that happens. It happens to Sam and Carly as well. It happens to all of them. But uh, one of the uh, guys with the guns throws something. The Decepticon looks. They all run up the floor because they're yeah. at an angle, jump out of the windows and start sliding down the outside of the building. Yeah. And they realize, OK, how are we going to stop? They didn't think that far ahead, I guess. But <laughs> yeah. the ones with the guns, they blast the glass, well, I guess below them now and fall back inside the building. But they're still sliding across the room now because they fall into that. It's really hard to describe. Like you're going 45 degrees down this way. Then they're going back the other way. They're going down the, like, the floor because it's, you know, on an angle. And uh, amazingly, nobody hits any furniture or walls. But uh, and most of them manage to grab onto cables hanging from the ceiling. But one guy goes out the window and he's gone. <laughs> and they don't show him hit, but they follow him down a bit and then stop. Uh, they, they then follow debris. They don't, we don't see him hit, but we, the debris lands near shockwave who looks up and realizes there's humans up there. Mm -hmm. There is fuckery afoot. And he sends the giant sandworm thing through the building up to get them and literally tears the building apart. Th these are actually really great visuals oh, yeah. uh, where the, the humans are looking down and you see this worm thing moving its way up the building. And it, it, Basically just chews the whole middle of the building up, squeezes like a boa constrictor, and the top part f topples all the way. Yeah, it falls the rest of the way over and lands on the building across the street, and Carly almost falls... Well, it's now... You'd be like falling across the floor, but it's straight down. Yeah, yeah, the top part is, is at, at a 90-degree angle now. Mm -hmm, but... Uh, uh, Terry Tate, you say his name was? <laughs> That's the character he played, yeah. Okay. He, well, he met the, the big guy with the rocket launcher is what I call him. Yeah, yeah. He manages to, you know, grab her and he kind of flings her down underneath him onto, the, I think it's the fire escape of the building that the building they're in landed on. Yeah, it's really hard to describe yeah yeah it, it's almost like inception where everything's folded in on itself uh but don't worry optimus is here yep here's super thing and i <laughs> totally forgot he got all that shit from jetfire in the last movie he flies in and just lets this thing fucking have it with the guns and then he flies clean through it yeah uh it's it's a pretty good optimus and yeah it is funny so wait is this whole super thing get up is that still jetfire's corpse i 
guess. <laughs> yeah, I just kept it around. But yeah, he uh, kicks the shit out of the worm, but then gets caught up in steel cables. Yep, and he starts ripping himself free. Meanwhile, Shockwave's yelling some shit at him in Cybertronian. And uh, I even turned on the subtitles. It, it, you know, in the first ones, when the Transformers would speak their own language, it would have, you know, translation? Nothing. But uh, yeah, back with Sentinel, he orders the Decepticons all over the world to launch the pillars and up. They go. Yeah, which they do. We have shots, you know, basically South America and Asia is what they show. Yeah, it's like Angkor Wat and Cambodia and places like that, yeah. And then Wheelie and Brains, who had been left behind in the giant battle before, find a Decepticon ship. That'll come into play later. Uh, But Nest, uh, all the Nest agents, they start running for uh, the the tower. They've, you know, the whole shoot it with a missile thing fell apart. So they're all trying to convene on the tower with the pillars. And as they're doing that, they get attacked by Starscream. Yep. They take fire from above and they get separated from Sam and Carly. And Epps yells at this guy like, man, I gave you one job. Well, you couldn't even look after them. But with Sam and Carly, Starscream lands next to them. Yeah. He was firing from the air. And Sam tells Carly, look, he wants me, or me, not you. So you run, which she does. He gets his grapple hook on. And then, uh, so, okay. He fires it, nails Starscream perfectly in the eye. And then because this movie understands physics and biology, Starscream jerks his head back and rips Sam's arm out of his socket. (laughs) That's what should have happened. But uh, no, Starscream does start thrashing around and Sam goes flying every which way. But nope, that arm is not going anywhere. Oh, no. Yeah. He's like he doesn't his keys don't even fall out of his pocket. (laughs) If he had a hat, it would stay on. (laughs) But uh, Lennox and the boys are here now, and Starscream whips Sam in through a window, and uh, I guess he survives that. And one of the bomb things Wheeljack gave him falls out of his backpack, and he grabs it and activates it, then jumps back out at Starscream and stabs him in the other eye with it. Yeah, Uh, and so while Starscream's screaming, completely blind, uh, Lennox gets up on the rope with Sam. He's being dragged along. Eventually, he cuts Sam free. They run for it. Uh, Oh, no, they fall off of a building, Um, and Bumblebee runs through, grabs Sam, saves him, or grabs them both, but Starscream's head blows up. And uh, meanwhile, the Decepticon fighter planes, I called them, they fly back aboard the command ship and one of them doesn't land inside it like the other ones and it's because wheelie and brain were flying it and one of them's like man this is a total cluster like they (laughs) cut it off just in time yeah yeah uh oh and then suddenly bumblebee and the other bots are autobots are captured we didn't see how it happened we don't know why it happened but like b and q slash wheeljack and i think one or two others are just captured now by shockwave Mm -hmm. and now the navy from what i would guess the Great Lakes, if the Navy has battleships in the Great Lakes, wouldn't surprise me. <laughs> Defend them against, you know, Canada. But uh, yeah, they launched Tomahawk missiles from their warships, and they'll be in Chicago in 20 minutes. And there is no sign of Optimus, because he never shows up at the last minute. And <laughs> But what's the problem with Nest is facing is they need, oh, we never said it earlier, Megatron had the bridges raised so that it would be a problem later. And uh, Nest is like, we need the bridges dropped so Dutch can hack that, of course, why not? <laughs> yeah, pretty much and now a navy seal team comes out of the river so yeah, yeah they're not? here too and Len- lennox starts giving them their orders i have a feeling with michael bay movies he's just you know he has these military people on call or some connections and i'm gonna i'm betting that like at some point in filming they were like hey look we have a seal team if you want to put them in he's like fucking right let's put a seal team in do any of them have giant hot tits oh they're all guys whatever i'll put another girl in bigger tits this one's gonna scream more and she's blonde with an accent yeah 
And back on this building where he is, Sentinel says, It's too bad the Autobots don't understand that the needs of the many outweigh the needs of the few. Because if they did, they would get that con is on a voyage of <laughs> fucking whatever. It, it was it, like I get it. Oh, there was. Oh, this was the other. We missed the other one is when um, Sam first goes to Dylan's. Uh, I'm making quote signs here, dear, dear listener, uh, auto body showroom. That is the Milwaukee Art Museum. Uh, he He's like, man, this thing looks like the Starship Enterprise. They're like <laughs> jamming the Spock references in. But uh, Sentinel activates the space bridge. And almost immediately, Cybertron just starts appearing in. I don't think it'd be upper atmosphere but it's like high high earth orbit um and as soon as it appears it has mass and it's there which means <laughs> that the trajectory of earth is now changed pretty much and uh, to mention what it would do to the moon and yeah. uh, either way back like with... we're all dead as soon as the first part of that appears because it's fucking huge we're all dead but back with simmons's butler he hacks into the bridge controls and starts lowering it so now the army can get across the bridge and and then Gould tells Soundwave to just kill the Autobots already, so he does. He starts with Wheeljack. Yeah, but and... when was Soundwave started taking orders from Gould? Because Gould's like, the rules have changed. No more prisoners. You're right, no more prisoners. Like, what the fuck? You're... Puny human, flick you away. Yeah, exactly. But yeah, he basically executes Wheeljack and then grabs Bumblebee. He's going to be next. And then stuff starts falling out of the sky on him. Yeah, uh, Brains and Wheelie are doing a Nick Burns up in the command ship and they're just ripping wires out of the wall. <laughs> and uh, all of the little drone ships start to crash. Bumblebee <laughs> takes advantage of this and starts to kick the shit out of the Decepticons. And as that's happening, the big command ship starts to careen down as well. Yeah, Bumblebee blasts one Decepticon's head clean apart. Then he goes for another round with Soundwave and gets in on him and just uppercuts him through his chest with his blaster arm and blows Soundwave's head clean the fuck off from inside. Like, wow. Yeah, it's pretty violent. Uh, and Soundwave is. So yeah, Starscream's died now. Wheeljack is dead. Ironhide's dead. And now uh, Soundwave's dead. Yeah. That's intense. Uh, so Nest takes position above the, and now this is the next death. And this might've been my favorite one, dude, it, it, because it is human centered. Like these, we get to see all the nest operatives move in on sound wave or yeah, sound wave or shockwave. And they know what they're doing. Like they have the flyers come in, there's the parachutes and they, it, I don't know. It's, it's really well uh, orchestrated. I really like this scene. Mm, Lennox gives out some more orders. His team heads up the stairs of the building. Epps leads another team to wherever this is. And Lennox and his boys jump out of the window and parachute down to the Decepticons below. Meanwhile, like Epps has snipers that target the Decepticons' eyes. And with them blinded, he sends out a demo team. Like everyone knows exactly what to do and like stab them with explosives, blow their fucking legs off. And the other part I really liked about this was there was a scene way early when, like, uh, when uh, Mearing first shows up, they have a quick cutaway of showing the guys, here's here's the tactical approach, and they have guys drop down on ropes on top of Bumblebee, using it as, as an example, and basically shoot him in the neck and then roll off. And they're like, that's how you take out a Decepticon. And so as all this is happening, the demo team and the snipers, you see the parachutes coming down. You're like, that's what they're doing. I know the plan now. Can they land it? They do. The kid who said, I'll get my own ride home, sir, yeah. comes down, boom, lands a shot in a shockwave and fucking that's the shot. Kills him. Mm -hmm. And Epps orders his boys to open fire and 
the wreckers are coming down the street blasting too. And oh, yeah, now yeah. the rest of the Autobots arrive and transform. And meanwhile, on top of the building, Sentinel Prime orders them to commence transport and more of Cybertron starts coming through the space bridge. And this is when, for some reason, everybody starts to notice it. And there are kind of neat shots where you see Cybertron like through the atmosphere. It's really well done when people look up in the sky. Um, and just as everybody's realizing, oh no, we're all going to die. Here comes Super Thing. Yep, he flies in and Optimus just cuts a path of destruction through everything until he gets to Shockwave, who is badly damaged, but I guess he's still alive. And oh, was he? Uh... Prime punches half his chest off, throws him down, and then uses Shockwave's gun to blast the control pillar. Uh, while he's saying, you die, another direct quote, um... And yeah, that closes the space bridge temporarily. And when that happens, Sentinel jumps down from the tower, the building, and they square off. Yep, let's have at it. And Prime gets, or I should specify because they're both Primes. Uh, <laughs> Optimus gets out the glowing yellow axe that he had in more than meets the eyes. That was kind of cool. And they start smashing away at each other. Meanwhile, everybody else starts moving in on the pillar that Optimus blasted. Yeah, everybody's running. It's it's everybody's fighting. It is madness. This is this does kind of drift into that area of like michael bay robot porn of like i can't tell who's who and they're all just fighting but there are enough bright colors on the transformers on screen that you can see who's who they're not all metallic silver like they were in revenge of the fallen but here's what's important is that Dylan makes a run for the pillar and Shia LaBeouf finally gets to square off against him. Yeah, Ghoul pulls a gun on Sam, but then a newspaper just blows down the street and smacks him <laughs> in the face. And then Sam punches him in the leg. That brings him down and Sam tackles him. And as they're fighting, Carly has her, oh, this is such a cliche shot, walking slow-mo, completely unfazed by the madness and explosions going off around you. It's been done a thousand times. It's been done way better than this shot. Um, but she approaches Megatron, who's just sitting there going, oh, I hate myself. Yeah, he's also damaged, but still alive. And he's leaning against the building. And she just climbs up on the debris next to him. And she's like, was it worth it? You did all the work and he gets all the power. Yeah, this was such a scene. Megatron should have just reached up, grabbed her in one hand and crushed her. That's what Megatron would do. You, you can tell he's... For some reason, he doesn't kill her. Like, for some, I haven't read that. For some reason, he stops himself from killing her because he's like, I will always be the leader of the Decepticons. And it's like, you're just Sentinel's bitch. Yeah. Well, the for some reason is because later we need somebody to save Optimus from Sentinel Prime. Uh, <laughs> but while that's going on, Dylan restarts the pillar. He actually reactivates it. And then it, that, so that's going on. And then in the middle of the fight between Optimus and Sentinel, it gets pretty fucking brutal because Sentinel jams his blade like, into Optimus's armpit, mm -hmm. wrenches it, and tears his right arm off. Mm -hmm. And then he just starts dragging him along the bridge, and we were gods once, and he, well, then he does say the Highlander line. He says, here there can only be one. Oh, and, yeah, he does, doesn't he? And then Megatron shoots him in the back and beats the living daylights out of him. Oh, yeah, this is like, well, you'll see later, this is Megatron's last ounce of strength beating him down. But while that's going on, Sam finally has his moment. He picks up a, like a I don't know, a, a, just some metal post with the concrete still on it, ripped out of like the ground. A piece of rebar, yeah. yeah. And uh, Dylan's like, you're not here. He's like, nope, I'm just a messenger, which is a call back to a line that uh, Francis McDormand said to him earlier. But he clocks Dylan in the face, probably breaks his jaw, mm. and knocks him into the pillar where Dylan gets electrocuted and it blows up. And I guess that causes Cybertron to be pulled back through the space bridge. But it, it, it kind of looks 
it looks like water going down the drain kind of thing. Like it's kind of got that vortex kind of thing. Yeah, it looks like it's getting ripped apart. So it looks like Cybertron is no more. I'm sure the fourth movie will retcon all of that. But <laughs> um, it's gone. Cybertron is gone. And then, oh boy. Oh boy, Optimus. Wow, oh wow. <laughs> uh, Megatron, this was another part where I laughed out loud, but not because it was funny. It was like a nervous laugh of what is going on because Megatron offers a truce to Optimus and Optimus is like, no, and rips his fucking head off. Well, yeah, because Megatron's like, I just wanted to be back in charge and what would you be without me? And Prime says, let's find out and throws his axe into Megatron, then grabs it back, kicks Megatron down, slams him in the face with the axe, like from the top of his head down to his jaw and then does Sub-Zero's fatality for Mortal Kombat 1. And then he turns around to Sentinel Prime and as Sentinel Prime begs for his life, Optimus shoots him in the fucking face. Twice. <laughs> what the fuck off? Whoa! Give the man a Zoloft or wow. something. Yeah. God. But now everybody's here and I guess everyone's alive that matters and Sam runs and hugs Carly and they kiss and they tell each other they love each other. Which would have been a really great emotional payoff if this was Michaela and not Carly. Well, whatever. Uh, and we have our closing voiceover by, uh, with Optimus talking about how we'll always protect the Earth and cue the Linkin Park song. Yep, and because I learned my lesson the first time, I kept watching in the credits, and sure enough, here we go with the wacky hijinks, and, but there's only one. It's uh, Simmons drives his wheelchair into mirroring and kind of knocks her over into his lap, and he kisses her, and, and then she tells the Secret Service to arrest him, and he's like, ah, it was worth it, baby! She smiles at the beginning. I can't help but think this was Turturro and McDormand, like, because they know each other. They've been in so many movies together. I feel like this was them goofing around, because she has this real laugh, and then you can yeah. almost see where she's like, oh yeah, we're filming. Arrest him. <laughs> and I like that. I like seeing those two play off each other. Do you feel cold? All right, I guess that's the end of it, eh, Paul? That's it. That's the end of uh, another one. Yeah. Uh, Thanks for uh, listening to this, and Merry Christmas again, dear listener. Uh, Before we sign off, Paul, what do you think? What did you think of Dark of the Moon? This is our fourth, well, let's stick with the Bayverse. This is our third Bayverse movie. What do you think? Yeah, well, I won't say I liked it, but I enjoyed it. If that makes sense, like it's a Michael Bay movie. So, you know, you have to shut your brain off before you press play and just enjoy the mindless action movie. And like anything that had to do with Transformers, I was in anything with Lex, Lennox and Epps, I'm in. But Ron and Judy, uh, they wore out their welcome for me last time. They served no They did not need to be in this one at all. Well, here's the thing with Ron and Judy. Uh, Chicago goes to shit and we don't deal with them once. Like, shouldn't they be in danger and Sam has to save them? They just disappear. Like, they didn't have to be in this movie. I wonder how much of it was contractual. Here's what I'll say about this movie. It was better than uh, Revenge of the Fallen, hands down. Yeah. Okay, Revenge of the Fallen was A happens and then B happens and then C happens and then D happens, where this movie took the approach, a better approach, of A happens, which causes B to happen, which causes C to happen, which leads to D, which leads to E. There there was causality and a plot that progressed forward. I I know I said at the beginning, 
you could have cut 40 minutes, 50 minutes out of this movie. Oh, at least. Easy. Like all that stupid shit with Sam trying to find a job. Like, we didn't need that. And he's got multiple job interviews in the same day. When has that ever happened to anybody? Come on. Yeah, like, it's, it's because it's a cliche montage. And even when they get to the John Malkovich's character, the only reason all of that stuff happened was that, A, we get to see Deep Wang. So we follow the story. And B, um, Brazo shows up later with the information so they can put the case together. But we, yeah, you're right. We didn't need the whole montage thing. No. Whatever. Um, this is pretty good. It is. So this is the last Shia LaBeouf movie. After this, we get to Marky Mark. <laughs> and I've seen parts of one of them. I saw one with Kelsey Grammer, parts of it. And it was, it seemed dumb. <laughs> Oh, good. I can't wait till we get to that one. <laughs> but hey, this movie, I, I was expecting this to be as bad as as, as uh, Revenge of the Fall. Yeah, this was, so did I. Like you said so I. it was watchable. I didn't love this movie, but it was a, it was a fun time. I won't say I liked it, but I, I enjoyed it. I didn't feel like I wasted two and a half hours of my life. Yeah, it did feel like they had wrapped up. Like, it does kind of feel like the end of a trilogy. Mm, yeah. It, well, look how many of them died, right? Exactly. <laughs> Including yeah. the the main antagonist. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's, I've, I'm going to bet in the next movie that Megatron came back. Oh, wouldn't it be great if they had Galvatron? We shouldn't set ourselves up for disappointment. No, no. <laughs> uh, if you want some disappointment, you can find us on Twitter. Uh, I'm at John Sobey. Paul is at P. McPherson 1. Yeah, make sure you rate and review us on your podcast app, whatever it is you listen to us with. Don't disappoint us on that. And uh, tell all your friends, tell everybody you know you can tell them they can find old episodes of the transformers nitpickers podcast show at transformersnitpickers.podbean.com and until the next episode until the next movie keep on transforming see you later look it isn't even dented oh shit what are we gonna do now